Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. Let's go. I'm John Lacombe, baby. <laughs> and I'm Eric Scuzz. We don't need no stinking badger scouse bow. Hell yeah. Um, I mean, what a game. Just right right off the top. Like, I, we, we all knew. Like, Sam, can, listening can, to our pod last can week. Can I ask you a question? Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Please. Please. Was there anybody who maybe happened to call into question this gigantic line at Wisconsin <laughs> and I, said straight up, we're going to go take it from them? Uh, I believe there was. I, I, I know, Scuzz, I feel like someone said that. I can't remember who. Oh, yeah, it was us. It was, it was specifically you. Um, yeah. Let's let's go. I So I just want to say, yeah. before we get into any of the specifics of this game and everything else that we're going to talk about, how fun is this? Oh, my God. This It's supposed to be fun, people, and yeah. we are all having a blast. This is this whole weekend has been so flipping fun. Um, if we could have gone back to any single member of Northwestern Nation and been like, it is going to be early November and you are going to be having the time of your life as a football fan. Not, Man, not, even, not even football, basketball. Oh, men's and women's oh, basketball, yeah. field hockey. Absolutely. Like, you know, re- Everything. Greg Newsom with his interception uh, return for a touchdown. Like, Everything's coming up, cats. Yep, it's it's awesome. We're having a blast. This was an awesome weekend, and the football piece of it was so much frigging fun. I just can't wait to get into it. You know what, what's wild? It just struck me. Um, you know, thinking back to the COVID season, it was that Wisconsin game that really kind of got us that was all the believing. Stamp. That was the stamp. Can I? So there's another. There's a second parallel, and that is um, yeah. In this game, we came out guns blazing on offense, uh-huh. like the opposite of the Iowa game. And I recognize these two differences; these two defenses are extremely different things. And that also, we are starting Ben Bryant, um, who was feeling it as oh a quarterback. But um, much like in that in that twenty twenty game, um, we came out right away. Like I, I don't know if you guys remember, but um, Ramsey, I think, connected deep. Uh, with RCB and then there was a um, for the first touchdown and then the second touchdown was like a uh, wide receiver pass again to RCB who almost scored now we ended up we ended up fumbling and not getting into the end zone because uh, he was called out of the one etc but um, we came out very aggressive in that game on offense to try to basically get up early um, with the perception that, that Wisconsin would not be able to get back in it and in a very similar fashion and and it to me it struck a huge contrast to the week prior against, against Iowa where our first three series were extraordinarily conservative and I'm not trying to like go back and re-legislate last week but it just it really stood out it's a, it's a parallel to that 2020 game that you brought up Sam this is i mean to get at this we have to go back to what Scuzz alluded to right off the top let's just say it right Wisconsin's a bad football team we talked about it last week we talked about the fact that this team is, and now it's pretty darn likely, the worst Wisconsin team any of us can remember having seen in a long time. 
Okay. That, it's been a minute. I mean, what they were they were flashing that stat all over the game. Like Wisconsin is has the longest stretch of winning seasons. With right. like 21 straight winning seasons for Wisconsin. That's more than like anyone. Right. And it's in and it and it's in jeopardy. Yeah. For sure. Um and bringing that up because we all as Scuzz said made you very aware of this fact last week. This is, was a Wisconsin team that now, right, since 1985, they are 17 and 16 against Northwestern. They have a winning record only because someone has to have a winning record because it's an odd-numbered year in the rivalry since 1985 right now. They're 17 and 16. They came into that game having played one good quarter in their last 16 and took it on the chin three of four and barely won the fourth game. They didn't do anything well on defense, right? They were kind of a mess on offense, all of these things. Meanwhile, Northwestern covered against Nebraska, beat Maryland, and then battled like hell against Iowa, right? Came back, tied it. The only reason that game didn't go to overtime is because Iowa hit a 52-yard field goal. And all the things that I just mentioned, America was like, yeah, but they're Wisconsin and you're Northwestern, so they get to be (laughs) 10.5-point favorites, right? (laughs) That is exactly what happened. Don't try to tell yourself it was anything different than that, right? And then David Braun and Ben Bryant and this friggin' defense— And the rest of our avenging angels went up to Camp Randall and kicked the shit out of this team. Okay? This game was a beatdown. You want to know why we didn't score any points in the second half? Because the game was over at halftime. Literally, it was over at halftime. When Wisconsin made that decision late in the half to just punt when they could have gone for it. Uh, it was like they were like, it was just like Luke, Luke Fickle's like, Jesus, we ain't going to get this. And I just don't, I don't want to give them a chance to score even more points before halftime. Um, and that was it. Like they tacked on a, a garbage touchdown with 15 seconds left in the game. Um, Against our twos. Yeah, I, exactly. And if you watch the highlight from that, Braun let them get inside the 30 and then put the twos in. He could have cared less. The game had been over forever. And it was just like such a stamp. It was this team being like, F you, F you, and that 10 and a half point line. We knew we were better, and we went and we beat the shit out of them. And like they were hoping for a return, you know, their returning quarterback to like show up and, and be awesome. And Tanner Mordecai, I mean, he was fine. He, he, you know, his clearly that fumble that uh, on his bad hand was definitely had something to do with it but like Ben Bryant coming back looked like he had not missed a step and like to just come out of the gate throwing and marching the ball down the field 10 of 10 on third down conversions up until uh they didn't get they didn't score on third and goal uh right before halftime 10 of 11 on third down conversions in the first half like you want you want efficiency there you go it's it was methodical it was just you know inevitable i mean it it was just they couldn't do anything to stop northwestern and it was just like this is happening we're we're gonna we're marching down the field we're taking time off the clock we are just exerting we're stamping our foot on the game 
and exerting our will over over the opponent. So let's so let's talk offense first, uh, and, and yeah. just you know piggyback on that and dig in a little bit. I mean, I just like so many players just showed out in so many big ways today. I want to start with Cam Porter, who I thought had his best game of the year by far. Um, the space mm-hmm. for him to run, you know, dried up in the second half, and it was it was very clear Northwestern was was to your point, John. Like I I would say after the the Wisconsin's first possession in the second half, where they they went for it on fourth and four from the eight and didn't get it. Um, that's that like the game was over at that point. Um, but Porter's running in the first half, which was opened up by the fact that that Bryant was, I mean, I think I think we threw on the first. Um, at least the first three or four yeah, plays. Yeah, and so like that that really opened up, you know, um, one, two, three, four Ben Bryant passes before Porter uh, had a couple runs. But Porter was picking his way through, I mean, basically right up the gut and doing a f- fantastic job. And I think some of that is because Wisconsin was scrambling to to cover on, on the back end and maybe trying to bring pressure around the outside, and it just opened up some, some space for him. But I thought he took advantage of that. I thought he looked really great going into contact. He He – he still doesn't quite look like his pre-injury self, and that's you know that is what it is. But um, I thought he had a great game. He did, and on the backs of an awesome day for the offensive line. They were. I think they, they gave so up what, one so one sack, and especially in the first half, opened some massive holes. Um, there were a couple major plays. Porter ran through a couple huge holes early in the game, and then when Hyman broke his run to the outside that 32 yard run if you go back and watch that you can see it's because a ton of the wisconsin defense overcommits. the safety lets hyman get out i mean the corner lets hyman get outside of him but as soon as he does they're just cooked because everyone else has crazy overcommitted because they've been getting gashed inside so they're like it's basically like what guys do when they're underwater they're just selling out on what they think is going to happen and they got burned to the outside and that was earned then there was a play there was that third down um toss play to aj henning where uh caleb tiernan obliterated two guys he drove two guys out of bounds yeah, on the same play that was beautiful. it was it was awesome it was vintage trench cats well, and well they did yeah. such a good job not holding there were there were yeah several opportunities and there's one specifically which i think tiernan um he ended up upfield of it was either an outside linebacker or a db and was you know kind of had kind of had hands on the guy from the side yeah he turned around yes, right and then um it was one of those classic where like every fiber of your being every instinct is telling you to like i gotta get a hold of this guy or he's gonna he's gonna get my running back or i need to push him so that the running back can get can get by him, but either one of those things, it was, you'd either be you know blocking him in the back or put him. And you can see on the replay as the running back is making his cut, Tiernan like put his hands up, and he's still kind of like bodying the guy to make sure that he can't change direction. Um, but the, like that's such a departure from you know the first half of the year. We're, we're we're seeing these guys improve in in these critical you know, spots during a game where you've got to be, be mentally um, disciplined and be on top of it. And I, that, like that to me was the biggest difference. It wasn't just the push that they were getting. It was the execution. We saw the offense execute at the highest level we've seen all season for this, for this first half. I, I, oh. I want to go, I want to go back to Porter here for a second. Cause you know, John, we've been discussing like at the games, you know, how, 
Porter has seemed to most of the season be like dancing around and waiting for holes to open. He was decisive against Wisconsin. It was get the ball, hit the hole. There was no dancing around. He was committing to the hole because the holes were there. And it it made made such a huge difference. Like without the dancing around, waiting for something to happen, it was night and day. He had confidence. He ran with confidence and power, and he got downhill. And look, again, I, I feel the need that we have to like restate this again. For everyone who's looking at the for, for, for like the five of you who didn't watch this game in the moment, I'll just I just want to reemphasize. For anyone who's talking about the second half, I can't emphasize enough how not close this game was. This game was a beatdown. It was 24 to 3 until 15 seconds left in the game. And not only that, we put this up on Twitter. Northwestern scored those first three touchdowns. Then on the fourth drive, they got down to the one yard line. And it would have been second and goal from the one yard line, except the official called the stupidest ticky tack penalty on that play. Which was basically like, they came out, Northwestern just came out in like three wide with tight end to the right side. And Marshall Lang was the tight end. And Marshall Lang got set. And at the exact time Marshall Lang got set, Cam Johnson just came in standard motion. There was no rushing of anything. There was no chicanery. There was no, oh, we're in a hurry, we're trying to get this off. It's literally like... Tight end gets set, wide receiver comes in motion. And the two things happened at the exact same time. No one was paying attention to this. No one cared. No one ever would have noticed. But the ref was like, oh, no, you guys, for like 0.1 seconds, you were moving at the same time. Flag. That's why we didn't score 28 points in this game. Okay? And that's a play that, again, I had to watch it 20 times before I figured out why he threw the flag. I thought it was because Bryce Kurtz's arm was up in the air before I finally was like, wait, did he think two guys were moving at the same time on this play? If not for that, it's 28-3 until 15 seconds left in the game. Again, like, this was Fitz era. Like, Fitz would have been proud of the way we got a lead and then just did not score again but held it with the <laughs> defense for the rest of the way. It's classic Northwestern football. But, I mean, again, to go back to what you guys were talking about, then just go to the start of the game, the first four drives. It was dominance on the ground and in the pass. And Bryant was, and I mean, Henning, the the game that Henning had. The, the, this was his coming out party, the, for sure. I mean, yeah. it was it was amazing. And we talked about a couple weeks ago, right, that, look, A.J. Henning can fly. We're all aware of this. But I think what every Northwestern fan thinks of when they think of A.J. Henning is big plays and boy did he make one to uh on saturday the one-handed catch was unbelievable um that's just an elite football play that's an elite wide receiver play um where he came back and and brought it in and made a, a massive play on a scoring drive um it was i i guess the the one other thing that i would say is just we talked about how this was going to be a litmus test wisconsin was a bottom half defense and we'd seen what this offense does against top half defenses and bottom half defenses. And I mean, if you were looking for a rubber stamp of what this offense does against bottom half defenses, look no further than the start of this game because they were on fire. They were, and I just 
Well, as real, real, real quick, I just you know we we haven't spent much time talking about Ben Bryant other than saying you know he was he was really feeling it, but like there was you know the classic preamble before the game. We don't really know who is going to be out there. Like he's listed as questionable, etc. He runs out for the first drive, and they just immediately go to him, and he immediately looks great. And like you can see, like going back to you know Minnesota and Penn State, you can see the connection that he's got with Cam Johnson. Uh, finding him as as um, a bit of his safety valve, you can see how he and Henning have come along, um, and it was John. You were hitting this on Twitter, like it was second half of the Minnesota game. Ben Bryant, he was he was dialed in. the The passes looked great. That that rainbow throw um, to Johnson for the for the third touchdown. I, I like I shriek mm-hmm. I shrieked in my basement. I was so yeah. excited um, because it. Oh, there was shrieking going on in beer. Yeah, I believe too, it. I mean, it looked, it, it looked like um, another pass he dropped in uh, to Johnson. I think it was against Minnesota, but like he's he's got that rainbow ball. He he can um, he can he can he can throw him hard and 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 straight um, for for shorter passes as well. Like he he has um, a lot of tools, uh, and it like they were all on display, and the O line made it work because we we know he's not super mobile back there wisconsin like like barely touched him yeah i mean and that was and that's the other thing too is look obviously like brian was unbelievable today and for this game i mean there's no way that anyone's gonna say like i wish brendan sullivan would have started this game the way that ben brian played brian was incredible in this game but it's funny, like, when you have the Bryant-Sullivan discussion, again, you have to go back to the fact that Northwestern's played three bottom-half defenses in conference so far this year and torched all of them. And that's not just about Bryant and Sullivan. It's about all of the guys and just how well they all played. And again, to go back to what you were just saying, the offensive line, protection, run blocking, like, they had a banner day. I was watching the tape, um, of this game many, many times because it still hasn't stopped being fun. Um, ben Rather is a guy that I point out that just had a great game. Um, and that's a guy who's had an up and down season. He was awesome in this game. He was getting to the second level. He was making key blocks. One of the um, big Porter runs um, rather just like grabbed the defensive tackle and walled him off. I mean, it was an awesome move. It was just move seal. Um, put a you know put his back to Porter and Porter ran right past you know right into a good hole like a bunch of guys had games like that and Brian of course was the point man and came right out like you said firing like he'd been playing this entire time um but it was just like yeah the offense was there and honestly like we've talked about this before and like the tenor of other games right but it's like if Wisconsin and maybe this will be a pivot if Wisconsin had had any ability to get points in this game, maybe you would have seen a more aggressive second half approach from Northwestern's offense, but that was in no way necessary. And yeah, I think that is a is a great segue to uh, to start talking about the defense. And you know, where where do you start? I mean, like, well, I I would I would selfishly like to start here, and that is that all season. In fact, going back to our summer preview, I've been highlighting that this Wisconsin offense is 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 having an identity crisis. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my, my perspective coming into the year was like, they're going to go to air raid. It's still a single back, you know, type thing. They can still do a lot of their downhill running with Braylon Allen. They're just, they're going to have to, you know, balance things, but they also brought Tanner Mordecai in like, He's got some warts, you know, from SMU in terms of accuracy and some other things. And then, so I, you know, basically the thought was, I think, I think the general perspective we all came to was we think Iowa's going to win the West because they've got a higher, like they have, um, there's more, there's more question marks with Wisconsin of just how this is all going to come together. And then in week one, Wisconsin is, is not just in an air raid but they are throwing the ball twice for every run. Everything is coming out of the shotgun. They've completely, they have, they have gigantic men on their offensive line and big physical running backs. Now, granted Braylon Allen injured ankle injury. Didn't really play much in this game with three, three carries, three yards came out in the middle of the second drive. Wisconsin of the past goes like five deep on guys that can just like, plow straight ahead behind that, that, that O-line. And I get that this is a new offensive system. And I've talked about how this is a good change for the long run for Wisconsin because of how, although, although, although now it's failed so spectacularly, like that might blow up in their face. Like, um, but long run, the goal here is, is be more pro style, be more quarterback wide receiver friendly, get better talent, be able to keep compete more on the, on the you know national playing field. But if you're not, if you're not able to make that transition off the backs of what you're good at today, and, and that's what they've completely lost. They, they went, they, they swung the pendulum wildly. I mean, just in this game, they carried the ball 24 times. Eight of those were Tanner Mordecai carries. So running backs carried the ball in this game 16 times. And Tanner Mordecai had eight runs and 45 passing attempts. Yep. That's like four to one passes to runs and yes they were down most of the game so of course they had to throw to try to come back late but like it's not just this game all season all season wisconsin has looked like this they are a broken offense their identity has gone out the window 40 years of wisconsin identity has been and, and again i like the ultimate reasons behind the change i understand it i think it's a smart change they've just rushed it and uh, ironically, they've rushed it and um, <laughs> it's blown up in their face. Well, so it's funny. Northwestern had two sacks in this game. But if you watch this game, you know, Wisconsin had five penalties. One was a face mask on the defense. The other four were on their tackles. Yeah. Their tackles um, struggled. And those, you could just tell that those guys were a mess. Um, they were getting beat and they were holding to make up for it. Now, part hey, of it. Hey, guess, I don't guess, guess what? Get, when you run an air raid where you're you know, slightly smaller, smaller stature quarterback gets the ball. Um, quick math, 53 times out of 69 offensive uh, plays in the game. Um, you are inviting the defense to put smaller, faster personnel on the field because they don't have to worry about tackling running backs. Like Kenny yeah. Source, who had a sack. Who had a game. hell of a game. Uh, or, or Aiden Hubbard. Who, had a hell of a game. In case you're all, in case you're all not aware, Aiden Hubbard is fourth in the Big Ten in sacks right now, and all of those sacks have come in the last three games. He's on fire right now. Um, he's 
as good of a defensive end as the conference has got as things are going right now. He's big, he's strong, he's young, too. And across from him is a guy who's getting a lot of playing time, too, Michael Kilbane, who's even younger. Both of those guys were big recruits from Michigan and Ohio, and they are showing out right now. And again, like... Use that as an avatar for the whole defensive line and use that as an avatar for the whole defense. But we've been talking about this, and I think it's about time to just take stock of what this defense is. This defense that started off the beginning of the season, you know, like got rolled up by Duke, right? And then not long after that, gave had a second half against Penn State where things got away from them and they gave up a bunch of points. And before those moments and after those moments kind of quietly at first it was like boy you know they're really not doing anything wrong and boy things seem to be getting really really good and boy this defensive line has unbelievably we talked at the beginning of the season right we mapped it out we were like there's a miracle scenario where everything locks into place for this defense but that miracle scenario depends on both of those true freshman defensive tackles playing and they're both good nope because what I sure as hell didn't see coming, but it absolutely happened, is the entire two deep of the defensive line got exponentially better. They all got so much better. Maybe because they're all got playing time? They're all (laughs) getting playing time. We've talked to parents of defensive linemen who've talked about that the, amongst other things, the rotation is working like magic for these guys. Guys get rotated on and off with so much efficiency and frequency that they feel fresh and powerful. You couple that with good coaching and just great game plans, and they've been amazing. Well, the numbers will tell you that Northwestern still has a back half, a bottom half, run defense in the Big Ten. All of those numbers are so far in the rearview mirror. All the negatives weighing that stat down are so far in the rearview mirror. For the past six and a half games, Northwestern has been the number six run defense in the conference. The pass defense is better than that. And that is why right now, Northwestern has the number 31 total defense in the country. Last year, it was around 70. This year, then the number 31 total defense in the country. That's, a, that's an incredible okay? jump. It's it's incredible. Are, are, okay? are you saying coaching matters? Oh, my God. Keep in mind, speaking of great coaches, the Mike Hankowitz masterclass in 2020, that was the number 22 total defense in the com- in the country. This is the number 31 total defense in the country. And they've been better than that because all their worst stuff, we would put it up on Twitter, it's ludicrous. If you take the Duke game off our schedule and look at the other nine games, this is the number 20 total defense in the country. 20. Last year, this defense was 14th in the Big Ten in run defense. And if you take out Duke from this year, they're 20th in the nation. That's how frigging good they are. Okay, like you look at this game, the Wisconsin. Like, what, what don't, what didn't you like? Our sick linebackers, who are you know the pair who are leading the Big Ten in tackles right now. All our great cover men. Hollis was awesome in this game. Johnson was awesome in this game. Um, Heard had like, that like Herd, yeah. Like, Herd was so he had that signature 
like one on one deep post uh like 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 coverage route and we've we've seen we've seen all the big name northwestern dbs have a play like this in the last you know five or six years it like just one on one deep down the middle of the field knocks the ball away you know holsters the sword to celebrate like like the like the the um excellence in this defensive secondary dis- despite all the problems of Jim O'Neill and the and the horror show that the last two years were on the defensive side of the ball this secondary has not stopped in that regard and like that that play just it just brought back so much uh to me of, of everything we've seen whether it's Newsom or um or uh Pace or um Hardage etc just like fantastic and you yeah. know, and his his forced fumble too, right? The like, peanut punch. Yeah, the peanut, yeah. That the was peanut the, Tillman punch. That goes back to something you were saying earlier, Scuzz, which is this whole thing with in years past, Wisconsin's got a running back carrying the ball there. Instead, they had a small quarterback scrambling for his life on a bunch of, and they were just rolling, spinning that roulette, roulette wheel again and again. And uh, uh, finally, uh, Rod was like, "Nope." A, a small quarterback running around with pins in his hand. From right. surgery like a month ago, I'm, I'm hurting right. the ball Rod, on his throwing hand, and her just came in and just popped it right. I'm gonna out. tell you guys, it gave yep. him a, a much better chance to win than the guy that played up the, that played the two previous games. Like, like, like oh, I yeah. said yeah. in no, our for pod sure. last week, I know which backup QB I would much rather have coming into this game, and it was oh. ours by yeah. uh, by yeah. a country mile. For sure. Um, as long as we're talking secondary too, Coco Asma had another great game, and then got hurt. We hope he's all right. Obviously, we know no one's battled injuries more than Coco has. Um, and he left the game, and I, it was hard to read. It seemed serious at the time, and then he was up later. So, you know, knock wood, hoping for him because he's had an amazing season, and so much of the secondary is on him. Um, and again, up front, it's like the defensive line. In the second half, they were not getting to the quarterback a lot. Keep in mind, it was exclusively four-man rushes in you know with pretty much based sets like it was like braun almost like got to be mike hankwitz straight up in the second half and was just like you're not gonna score so here's four take your dinks and dunks because you ain't getting in and that's what happened um but i mean again one of the things to really lock on to too in terms of some of these young guys and we also had richie haggerty back which helps a lot too but Hubbard and Kilbane are large and strong in addition to being able to get to the quarterback with some frequency, which means when you pair that with this amazing resurgence from the defensive tackle position, it's a really strong anti-run front. Um, and I like kind of buried the lead. Wisconsin had 86 rush yards in this game. 86. This was like the piece de resistance for what this defense has been working towards from a run defense perspective. Um, they just absolutely stoned Wisconsin. Shall we? Shall we talk about the uh, the tag? Yes, <laughs> let's. <laughs> Well, I, just rip it off real, real quick couple of like yeah um jack olson hits his one we haven't talked about him a lot because he didn't get any no, opportunities haven't. against iowa 
he only got one opportunity here against Wisconsin and he hit it. But like, dude has missed one field goal this year. Yep. A 54 yarder that he just came up just yeah. short. And so like, like, they, 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 this dude is an incredible weapon that we've, we've barely had to pull out of the, um, of the arsenal. Uh, but in these next two games, you know, especially if, if Purdue's feeling an office offense this next week, we're going to need Olsen. And then, um, Renner continue. Like, I, I think there was a lot of consternation earlier, early in the very beginning of the season, but he has done, uh, some nice things as, as things have gone along. He was, you know, great in this game. And then, um, Henning and, 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 and Coco with some couple nice kick returns, uh, you know, the punt game is still not a thing that Northwestern really does much on, but um, the special teams were nice. The special teams were nice. It was a, it was all. Henning did have Henning did have that big return that was uh, you know called yeah, back. Yeah, called back um, on the hold. But you know, you know, he's he looks like he he could break one in, in these next two games. I mean, hundred percent. He's awesome. <laughs> So let's, I mean, we've been, you know, touching at, you know, the difference in coaching and how, how much coaching matters. And, you know, at, at this point in the season, Northwestern is five and five. And, you know, going into this season, like even the three of us were, were scratching our heads real hard to find more than four wins on the schedule. And I mean, and that's us. Yeah. And the nation said two. And for David Braun to come in under the circumstances that he was given, you know, a, a team racked with scandal and, you know, just the uncertainty and just the uproar uh, and everything going on around it, you know, behind the scenes off the field, for him to come in and to get this team to a place where they are sitting at five and five, one more win for a bowl and you know, two games left against Purdue and Illinois that are absolutely winnable. Um, you know, I, it, 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 if you, if you're waiting for a sign that, you know, the, the team has bought in, just look at Twitter and how every single player on the team with a Twitter account is saying to take off the tag Drop the interim, make David Braun the head coach. Yeah, I think I, like this this game, I think really tipped the scales for me because you know to date, I think we've seen m- minus the you know the end of the Minnesota game and then and then against Maryland, right? The offense really came to life. Um, but it's like the the defensive improvement has been palpable from like week two. Like we, we've we've seen it, and we know that. Like the three of us were very excited when Braun was hired almost a year ago to come in and and try to repair this defense. We thought he had great pedigree. He has done far more than we anticipated him even being able to do, um, given what he was what he was working with. Um, and that's and that's not a, a shot at the guys on the team. It's just like like high end defensive linemen have have departed this program every year for the last three years. A a highly recruited defensive lineman has transferred each of the last three years. Um, and the, the, you know, the, the turnover or the, um, you know, the, we didn't lose that many players coming off of, uh, this past summer, which I think was a little bit of a surprise. It's a, it's a, it's a testament to the guys that they, they looked at each other and they said they wanted to be here and they wanted to, to help 
turn this team around, but like that defensive performance, it's like I expected Braun to impact that defense. I expected him to help turn that around. The the whole team effort, the improvement that we've seen through the season, not just not just on the defensive side, but like in the game plan and in the adjustments and the the execution this week, like with holding calls that I was talking about earlier, being such a problem throughout most of the year, even in even in wins, that's the mark of a head coach driving his coaching staff, driving the team. It is like the how that we have gotten to five wins is just as, infor- as important that as in that that we were at five wins because Braun has been excellent along the way. He has been humble and. I'll say I'll say transparent for a college football coach in um, <laughs> in 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 media availability. He has put a lot of praise and um, ownership on the players. Like I, he just he seems to do things the right way. We have heard from parents that he's great. They love him. Um, the players, to Sam, to your point, have bought in. Like the how has been awesome and in really hard circumstances. Right. Um, so I like it, it is, it is so, it is so clear that this guy is not just extremely good at coaching a defense, but is ready and capable to take the reins of a major college program. I mean, like a reminder for those of you who don't remember dude was on like three national championship winning teams at, at North Dakota state as a defensive coach, including as defensive coordinator. Like, like this right. guy knows how to get it done. Oh, it's like, and that's the other thing too, is like, cause you're absolutely right. You have the, the feel good piece of this, the amazing piece of this, what he's done from a, from a morale perspective and a team building perspective and a unity perspective, just totally separate from the football to just lead these guys in such a dark moment for them. Right. And like you were saying, like, We've talked to so many parents, like the parents, the families love him. Obviously, you know that the players love him the way that they are all tweeting, remove the tag and everything. That's all well and good. Great. But for everything Scuzz just said, this isn't a feel-good story. It's a lottery ticket. This guy won a major national coaching award two years ago. He's a prodigy. Northern Iowa saw him at whatever it was, like UC Davis or whatever, was like, holy shit, get that guy. He'd barely been at Northern Iowa, and North Dakota State was like, holy shit, get that guy. He's there for like a couple years, wins a couple national titles, and FCS coordinator of the year, and now he's working miracles as our head coach. Like, this guy's a rock star. Like, we should just... Thank our lucky stars we have this guy and sign him to a long-term contract. Um, And, like, again, like, we're all hoping that that's all academic anyway. It's the thing that makes from absolutely every direction all the sense in the world. Um, He's already earned it, and now we're just hoping for that cherry on the Sunday to finish off this amazing season. What what else do we need to say about this game? I mean, just... It it like the this feeling is just incredible. Like a couple days later, and we're still oh, riding high. It that's it feels extra good because it's Wisconsin. Yeah, like like Wisconsin right. is one of, like Wisconsin and Iowa are the two teams that Northwestern has been like striving to eclipse for the last twenty five years. 
And that's one of the reasons that 2020 was so special because we beat both of them. And it just, it just, it just feels so good when we beat either one of those teams. Like it's, it's, it's different from a Minnesota or a Purdue. Um, It's not quite the same as an Ohio state or a Michigan because you know, we're, we're, we're often such massive underdogs in those situations. There, there's an extra kind of like magical quality to those, I think. Um, But beating beating Wisconsin and beating them so decisively I like the only other game where I feel like Northwestern has throttled Wisconsin so thoroughly was the year that uh, Tanner McAvoy was Wisconsin's quarterback and threw three picks to uh, Godwin Iguibuike uh, up in Camp Randall mm. but but Northwestern still didn't have the offense to really capitalize in that game this this was this was a dominance over Wisconsin in all three phases of the game that I have never seen as a Northwestern football fan previously and it was it was so beautiful it was and again like we said at the very beginning we've all been riding the high all of Northwestern nation as Twitter has been so much flipping fun all weekend um it's just you just this whole community you feel it everyone feels it everyone's feeling it the same way and again it's so much fun it just feels good we've all earned it and it feels awesome can we can we jump on the fact that like i just very quickly so obviously saturday was all football all day long friday night you've got an awesome basketball game that we'll talk about in a minute You've also got a NCAA elimination game in the women's field hockey yep. tournament where Northwestern beats Miami yep. to Ohio 3 nothing. Then after Saturday on Sunday, women's basketball team smokes Omaha, and you also have that same field hockey team knocking off Louisville. Um, was it in overtime or was it like, no, it was at, like- at the death? The, no, they, they but they, they came, came back. Yeah, they came back from one down in the fourth quarter and got the game winner with a minute left. There it is. Yeah, with a minute left, um, which is basically at the death in uh, in field hockey, and and go on to the final four as uh, the number two, you know, number two overall seed, et cetera. So just like an epic, and then Greg News, and yeah. then Greg Newsom pick six just to throw yeah. it on the pile. Yeah, to um, it should have been a game tying pick six, um, but they missed the extra point, but then ultimately beat the Ravens. Um, so it was, you know, and on top of that, our buddy Chris's LSU team won, um, which we were all celebrating with him on on uh, on Saturday night, and it just like it was it was an, it, a weekend for the ages. Have you ever thought about building a Westlaw Pirates-like community for your business? If so, we've got your solution. Teamworks Media, a brand marketing and content company, is here to help you tell your brand story better. Better yet, you can work directly with the founder Jay Sharman, known on this podcast as Like the Posts. The same expertise he's brought to brands like ESPN, the Big Ten Conference, and Northwestern University are now available to you in an affordable way, directly with this Wildcat Superfan. Contact Jay directly at 312-446-9435 or jay at teamworksmedia.com to learn how to elevate your brand's story. So as we look ahead to this weekend's game against Purdue, uh, which in all likelihood is the last ever game going to be played at Ryan field in this current iteration. Um, you know, Monday night is the, the final, uh, Evanston uh, town meeting, uh, 
where I, I think the expectation is that they will approve uh, the 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 building and the rezoning to to make it happen. You know, if the you know the previous vote was any indication, it looks like it's going to be a five four thing. I I have no idea what if anything is going to change. Uh, originally, we were planning on recording this on Tuesday so we could talk about that, but I mean, it, we needed to talk about this sooner. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a hundred million reasons why that one ought to just be rubber, rubber stamped. But you know, we'll be we'll be following it online. We'll certainly circle back. Crazier but, things I mean, have happened. It's true. It's true. <laughs> sure. I mean, and you've got, but I mean, so like, let's set the stage, right? Like, assuming that what we think happens happens. This is the the last game of the old Ryan Field, and it's a game beyond that with tremendous significance. Northwestern's playing to earn a bowl in the most miraculous of seasons at home against Purdue. Um, now, with all of that said, there is a massive wrinkle in this game that I don't think anyone in the nation expected coming. And it is the reason why when the line for this game went up, Purdue was on the road a minus one favorite. Now that line quickly moved in favor of Northwestern. But you might be thinking, if you haven't been following Purdue, A, doesn't Purdue suck this year? And B, isn't Northwestern finally earning the respect that has been robbed for us for so long with that? Yes to all of those things, except Purdue played a game against Minnesota that is basically twice as good as any game they've played all season. Purdue had 600 yards of offense against Minnesota. They rushed for 350 yards. They had three running backs break eight yards per carry in this game and card through for what, like 250 and three TDs. It was a perfect game. And to give you a, a perspective on how far of a departure this game was from everything Purdue has done... Just like Wisconsin, Purdue has lost four of their last five games. In the four losses prior to the Minnesota game, Purdue had 721 total yards combined. Or sorry, in the three games right before. 721 total yards combined, and then 600 against Minnesota. So now we, like everyone else, are trying to figure out what the hell that means. Like, again, this is a team that offensively just goes missing for like a month and then shows up and puts down 600 total yards of offense against the Gophs, and now they're rolling into Evanston. It's 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 weird. I like I like I don't know because even even then like you look at cards numbers like so 68% complete, pretty good. He was 69% complete against Illinois earlier in the year. They beat they beat Illinois, but they, they I mean they didn't they weren't quite this good. Um, against the Illini. Um, he had decent games against Syracuse and Virginia Tech, but again, like nothing on this order. Um, it's, it's, you wonder a little bit, uh, like Minnesota kind of falling, falling, falling to pieces. Um, Devin Mockaby had a good game in this game as well. Um, as did Tyrone Tracy, like you said, John. I mean, they, they just ran all over them. So everything, Everything fell in their favor. Um, it's, I guess, to give Purdue a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, it's also the first time in five weeks they've played, you know, uh, a 
bad defense. They played at Iowa, Ohio State, at Nebraska, at Michigan four weeks in a row. I don't know if they had a buy in there or not, but like that's that's a lot to handle. And then, you know, they kind of like almost just exploded in this Minnesota game. Um, As college football goes, right, like both us and Purdue had really good weekends this past weekend. And I think it is unlikely that both teams execute at the same level this next weekend. But, you know, you look at the body of work for Hudson Card, you look at the body of work for Ben Bryant, you look at the two defenses. I just like Northwestern should be the favorite in this game. When, when you, when you strip away some of, some of the other, you know, contextual things, people are laying atop, atop different teams. Like Purdue has, I mean, I guess they've, they've, they've scored. Um, they only scored, you know, seven and 14 and 13 in those, in those four big games. But beyond that, they've, they've been putting up 20 points a game, 40 points in their wins. So they're, you know, they're, they're not horrible, it's, but like that, like this is not, this is not a team that like should strike any fear into your heart. Well, that's the thing because like they, it's like you say Purdue can run the ball really well. I say can run the ball really well because sometimes they just don't, and then other times like like they ran the ball great against Wisconsin. They also lost big in that game because Card was horrible, um, and then like. They were ungodly good in this game, like to the the absolute stunning of everyone. And you watch, I watched the tape of this game. It is everything going right for one team and everything going wrong for the other team. And again, that's not to say I'm not talking about luck. I'm saying like Minnesota looked so frigging bad in this game. Yeah. Guys out of position, guys not knowing what they were doing, and Purdue. They it wasn't just like running like they had a bunch of great play calls too like they ran one fly route from the back out of the backfield that went for like a massive gain there were some just massively which given our discussion about the coverage at the end of the Minnesota Illinois game to say that like Minnesota coming out of that were just god awful in coverage like they were Um, there is something to be said John about what you just laid out of like Card and Mockaby having a good game. Because you go back and look at, like, Syracuse is a great example. So Card threw for 323 against Syracuse. He was pretty good, you know, close to 70% completion. Tyrone Tracy was the leading rusher with 38 yards. You know, against Wisconsin, Card was bad. Tracy was, Tracy averaged like 10 yards per carry. But um, it's like, it's only when, like, this is the only game where where they've both been awesome. Maccabee ran for 110 against Ohio State and Card was, was a train wreck. So, like, it, it gives you a lot of like Northwestern has struggled when one player is able to do like multiple things simultaneously. Think about Harbor Harburg. Think about um, the success that, that <laughs> the small amount of success that Hill had um, throwing on the run, et cetera. Like that's not cards game. This is not a, this is not a team that like stresses you super effectively with, with run and pass simultaneously. And that's a good fit for Northwestern's D. Right. I mean, and we should mention too, Devin Mockaby, good running back, and it's a stable. Mockaby, Tracy, Downing. This was the exact same cast of characters who played against Northwestern in Wrigley last year, and they were all pedestrian in that two, two year, That two was years a low ago. scoring. No, two no, years ago. Uh, oh no! Oh no! Last year, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was a. Um, oh, that was Wrigley was two years. But uh, yeah, uh, but it was right. Yeah, two years ago. It, no, last year, it was, Purdue. Last year, Purdue. 
Right, last year at Purdue. It was a pedestrian game for those guys and a messy game overall. And, uh, like, again, they've been up and down. And Purdue's offense has been up and down. They have moments where they're at least a piece of it is solid. Again, they had nothing even remotely resembling this game right up until they had it. And everyone's still trying to wrap their heads around it. But if you're listening to that and being like, well, boy, like offense comes and goes, strong running attack comes and goes, like, so what's the deal with three and seven? It's because their defense absolutely sucks. By any measure, okay, this is on all except for one key statistical category, which I'll get to in a second. This defense is horrible at everything. They're bad against the run, but they're horrible against the pass. I mean, um, they, they, this they is, gave up 20 points. To, they let Iowa score 20 points. And that's <laughs> – it's it's hilarious. Iowa scored 20, and that is the only game in a country mile in either direction where the team they played didn't score 30 points. Everyone scores at least 30 points against Purdue. They, I would say the best comp for their defense is a lot of the like Lovey and Beckman era Illinois defenses because what Purdue does have is two guys who have gotten a bunch of sacks. They actually have the two leaders in sacks um, in the Big Ten. One guy has eight, one guy has seven. That's it. They don't do anything else well. Those are third down pass rusher sacks. Those guys are not threats against the run. This is not a team that stops the run. It is not a team that can cover. It is not a team who can do anything if they don't get to you sacking the ball. Now, their hallmark game prior to this game was their beatdown of Illinois, which really shocked a lot of people at the time that that game happened. And that game was a while back. If you look at the numbers in that game, Illinois moved the ball just fine in that game, and Illinois didn't turn it over. What happened was Illinois was like 2 of 14 on third down because they got to Altmire. They sacked him five times. They hit him a bunch more times. And they just, Illinois would just go three and out, three and out, three and out, and just get punched off the field. And if you're worried, that's the worry right there. But again, I should mention, Illinois was just so snake bit in that game, and uh, Bielema was so pissed after that game because the execution was so bad. Um, they had no difficulty moving the ball when they weren't shooting themselves in the foot. And I know, like, a lot of you are like, oh, Jesus, like, you're like setting us up here. This is where you have to come back. Again, our offense, when they've played low ha- lower half Big Ten defenses, has done really well this season. We haven't played a D close to as bad as this D is. They're awful. John, um, do, you know, do you know when they're getting pressure, is it because they're bringing heat, or are they are they generally rushing with four and getting home? Because there's, there's a big difference on how Ben Bryant does in those two situations. No, it's it's... So that's the thing. It's I think they are bringing a little bit of heat, but what they're going to do is very similar to what Wisconsin did. Um, they have, I think, something like three more sacks on the season than Wisconsin does. <clears throat> uh, I think they have 28, which is like fourth in the conference. Keep in mind, two guys have more than half of that. Um, so, but I think they are like they. It's a three-four scheme. It's what 
um, Walters oh, and yeah, they're both, from they're, Illinois. They're both linebackers. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. That's good. So, so they try to bring that heat off the – but, I mean, again, I'm like they're – this it's their one thing it's they're not penn state they're not like oh jesus god like it's like no they have these two guys who get in but otherwise they get but here's the thing like against wisconsin you you saw them doing that right you saw them with their three four bringing their 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 linebackers bringing heat and that does not bother ben bryant ben bryant is really good you better get you better get to him yes because if he will identify quickly who's open and he will throw it where where you saw him like later in that game against wisconsin like he, there were there were a couple times you know he you saw him want to make a throw and he, and he and he held up and he stopped those were generally Wisconsin was only bringing three or four rushers on those and eventually they got home but um it, it like he, he is not a quarterback that you can affect like like full stop Brendan Sullivan's different you blitz Brendan Sullivan and his primary instinct is going to be to move and then see what he can figure out afterwards. But, but Bryant is do doing the Tom Brady thing, the Peyton Manning thing. Like if somebody's coming at him, he knows where to go with the ball to find the open receiver. Who's not covered or, or, or who can, yeah. you know, who, who likely has got a, uh, is, is moving into the space departed by that blitzing defender. And so that, like that buoys the whole, like if, if you have a quarterback, that's good at identifying that and a defense, that's not very good at covering receivers. Like, this is a this is a plus situation for Northwestern. Oh, everything you saw Bryant do against Wisconsin will be there in spades against Purdue. Like again, like they're awful on defense. There's no even like in even against Minnesota. Minnesota piled up yards in this game. They just gave up a ton. Um, there and and we should say too, like talking about the offense again, Purdue's put up a terrifying offensive performance against Minnesota. There was almost no precedent for it because in the four weeks prior to that, they played the second, third, fourth, and fifth best run defenses in the conference. They played Nebraska. They got obliterated. They didn't have 100 pass or 100 rush yards in that game. Um, And remember, for the last six and a half games, Northwestern has been the number six run defense in the conference so keep in mind that was what purdue against two three four and five we are six so again it's another acid test for this defense that has done so much it's it's an acid test for braun too because um you know coming coming off of maryland playing playing iowa great opportunity extremely difficult opponent coming off of minnesota playing penn state same situation um having the team ready off of a loss to face UTEP having the team ready off of a loss to face Howard. Um, he has done really well in what I would, what I would say some of the situations throughout the course of the year that have been, that have been a bugaboo for Northwestern in the past coming off of a great win against Wisconsin, against a team that Northwestern should be favored against that on paper, Northwestern should be better than in a home game that, let's call a spade a spade. Northwestern should probably win. This has been a spot that has been hard for Northwestern over the course of the last 15 years. To me, this is like, it doesn't change my opinion that he should be the guy, remove the tag, all that stuff that we talked about earlier state, but like, this is a good acid test for how well he is able to motivate and focus and organize this team against what is a 
very winnable game. And, and it's on repeat for the following week as well. Like all the motivations there, right? Like all, all the nobody believed in you and we can go to a bowl, ge- a bowl game. What? Um, this year, like all the motivational tactics are there and it's, you know, ke- keeping the team focused off of a, after a massive win on the road. This is all, you know, 18 to 22 year olds. We were all 18 to 22 year olds one day. Oh yeah. Back in the day. We looked, we looked like coming off of this. Are you kidding me? These guys deserve to be partying it up for, for a couple days here. But um, it's on Braun and the staff to bring them back to earth and get them focused for Purdue. And it is a, um, it'll be interesting to see how they come out. And, and again, this is the last game at Ryan field. Um, oh yeah. That too. I forgot about that. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like they're like, we're playing a team that is not having a good season. Granted, they just had a great game. But is not having a good season. Does not travel well if it's not basketball. Cannot um, cannot get and, to bowl eligibility even if they beat us and, and Indiana. They'll still be 5-7. Right, right. Yep, can't get to bowl eligibility. And there should be a really good Northwestern crowd at this game. And, you know, if you're not – if you know anyone, like, tell people to get out there, right? I mean, we'll be there. I'll be there bright oh, yeah. and early running the tailgate for this one. Um and we like it's going to be, you know, this should be an excited Northwestern crowd cheering this team on. A very partisan pro Northwestern crowd in the last game of the old Ryan Field, and hopefully that'll help. Yeah, eleven o'clock kick. So I mean, that's I will be there bright I, I will, and early. I will probably be with there, some donuts and hot chocolate. I will be there bright and early as well. I, I think you know. Yeah, we know there's some people come. I know there's some people coming in from out of town um, who it's going to be great to see. I I know uh, I've heard from a number of other people who are like saying we we're coming up for this and uh, we're going to be in the east parking lot like we have been right next to the Numalums, right next to Wildcat Alley. Um, Hopefully we can see as many of you there as possible because, you know, this this is a celebration. And, you know, we're here to celebrate this season and it's not over because everything like it, it you know, it, it seems cliche and, you know, it, it is cliche to say all the goals are still in front of us. But like this is to get to a bowl game in a season where no one thought we were going to get more than two wins. Now we have an opportunity for, yeah. for two wins at the end of the season to, to not only get us to a bowl game, but like, a, a, you know, not Detroit. Yeah, and I mean, again, like, come out early. This is a big deal. Like, enjoy it with us. I'll be there. I'll, like I said, I'll probably have donuts and hot chocolate there bright and early. Um, come over, get some, have a good conversation. I should mention, too, specifically, I want to give a shout-out to, to Gary, who runs the the major tailgate um, over in the West Lot, who invited us to the um, – Parents tailgate for the Wrigley game, which was such a great experience for Sam and I. Um, Gary showed up at Beer Miscuous and watched with us. And man, Gary, like what a dyed-in-the-wool Northwestern fan. We jump out to this major lead, and he is just in knots. I, my mind immediately went to Jay Sharman, <laughs> our, our buddy Lake the Posts. Um, just the be like. Just being like, oh, what's going to happen now? We're up 14. We're up 21. How how can this go south? You know, it's like the classic Northwestern fan, right? And um, But it was awesome watching the game with him. So I only say that because we, you know, for all of you who are listening, who participate in that tailgate or participate in the parents' tailgate, which is right next to it, 
we'll be running our tailgate north end of the east lot. Um, but we are right by Wildcat Alley. It's an easy walk over. I think we would get over there if we weren't holding down our end. But please come over, you know, make that walk over and say hi to us or whatever. If you're looking to, to hit a couple different places, hit a couple tailgates um, while you're there, come on over and say hi to us. We've got, we'll have food for you and we have great conversation for you and we'd love to see you. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Simpson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Simpson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SimpsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go cats. Uh, real quick, want to just zip around the conference. Um, you know, a, a couple a couple things to talk about. I have nothing to say about Ohio State thirty eight, Michigan State three. Um, I one thing I'll say about that is, especially given Purdue's performance this past week, Michigan State has the lead pipe lock on worst team in the Big Ten. They're they're the worst. Michigan goes to Penn State twenty four fifteen with a win. Um, yeah, the the Jim Harbaugh stuff is what it is, and that that's wild. And then you know, just came out today that Penn State fired their offensive coordinator. Um, so, so there's something I want to there's some there's something I really want to talk about with this game, and yes. um, that is Sharon Moore. Yes. So Sharon Moore is the offensive coordinator for Michigan. Sharon effing Moore. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah. He um he coached this game uh at, you know with with Harbaugh being being suspended. Whatever you think about Michigan and Harbaugh, Sharon Moore deserves a ton of credit for this game. Like you can see, if you if you watch this, and I watched most of it, like like the the adaptations he made on on offense, especially leaning into not just running the ball, but the, the but the when they ran the ball and the how they ran the ball to really neutralize um, Penn State's incredible defensive line and to, and to take this, to take this game over. I mean, it was, it was neck and neck into the second quarter. And then Sharon Moore literally changed the way Michigan was running their offense and took over the game and won it. Did Michigan so, throw the ball in the second half at all? I don't know that they did. Like, but Maybe, no, I think no, they, there no, they was one did. and they got a pass interference. You know, they definitely threw a couple times, um, but regard like it's not, again, it's not even just going to the run. It's the way they were running. Like, there were times Penn State was lining up their their rusher. They were overloading one side with with rushers, and Michigan was basically like running at into that fire in a way that that completely neutered and neutralized the the edge rushers. It was really impressive, and it's that's all Sharon Moore. So, well, so sorry, I got I, like I realize I'm going long here on a game that's not ours, but like at the end of the game, Sharon Moore got very emotional, like openly wept being interviewed at the end of this game. And it is really important to call out how rare it is for any coach to get a true opportunity to run a, a football team to basically get a trial run as head coach on national television in a major, major spot in game like this. And, and to have, to have won that opportunity, it's just, 
it's it's huge for Sharon Moore, who is going to be a head coach, um, if not next year, very soon. And yeah, him like the like that was just such an exciting moment. Again, whatever you feel about Michigan, whatever you feel about Harbaugh, whatever you feel about like whether like them winning this game or not, like Sharon Moore should be celebrated. Adding to like the entertainment value, like just like how wonderful a moment it was to see how emotional he was and, and how much it meant to him to have, have gotten this opportunity to like, he clearly sees Harbaugh as a mentor, somebody he's learned a lot from yada, yada, yada. But like, then on top of it, there's like a whole nother layer of comedy and like amusement in that whoever mans the bleep button for Fox, like completely was asleep at the wheel. They just didn't care. Moore dropped two f bombs and said he loved he loved the shit out of Jim Harbaugh in this post game interview and it was amazing. Yeah, the I will say too, like apart from everything that Moore did and all the Michigan stuff and all the questions about this and that and like how would it were, Drew Allers seeing ghosts and they don't have a functional offense against any competent defense right now with him on the field. And I feel bad for the kid because they just unloaded their offensive coordinator and obviously he is getting dragged so hard, Aller. And this guy was a big recruit. He's still very young. Ah. When he when when he when he ran eleven yards up the gut to score like the, he led them on a drive in the second quarter to make the game fourteen nine like he he got some confidence back but like I, I I mean from running but he like he just can't hit targets and he doesn't make reads and it's and and you it's a lot of his numbers it's just the rushing attack so many pieces of their offense work so well against lesser defenses that it just buoyed him, but he's played, what, two competent defenses. And now, don't forget to fold us into that and the way that they looked in the first Mm -hmm. half against Mm -hmm. us and things shifted. Like, they're just, with him out there, when they have to play any competent defense, they're just like a different team. Um, And and he he, he fumbled the ball. Number three with a bullet. Yeah, he had had a fumble. I don't think he threw any picks in this game. Well, he he did. The Michigan player ended up, it hit hit the ground right before he he corralled it. No, I'm with you, John. Like, like, it it looked during the game, because, yes, he was struggling mightily. And then on that drive where they scored the touchdown, it was fourth and one. And they did, like, a a double pass back to Drew Aller. Um, Like, for... For four yards, like if if you right. all remember the Music City Bowl and the the pass back to Thorson uh, on which he got injured, I mean that was like a twenty five yard pass. Like typically when teams are doing that, they're trying to get they're trying to sneak the QB out for a TD. They snuck they snuck Eller out for a four yard completion on a fourth and one, which was amazing. But then but then he scored on the next play. You just saw the confidence building, but like it obviously did not last. That drive and that play that you're talking about, it was. It was so obvious on that drive that Franklin was like, I don't know if we're getting down here yeah. again. We have yeah. to get everything that we can, and, and that's the kind of game that it was. Yeah. But again, Sharon Chir- Chiron- Moore, like, hats off. Absolutely. Uh, Iowa beats Rutgers 22 nothing. Um, I mean, this is a big one for Iowa, and yeah. Rutgers definitely not not showing up. Um, I uh, – I, I will well I'll I'll put a pin in it but I mean again I was they're going to walk to the west at this point so uh, yep. it, good for them they did it their way Illinois beats Indiana 48-45 in overtime uh John Paddock 
507 yards and four touchdowns. Hoo um, Maryland beats Nebraska 13-10 on a last-second field goal. You'd love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, remember, a Nebraska team that smoked Purdue. So I know, like, there's a lot of parody and a lot of these things are going around, but we just need to catch Purdue. Well, so Har- Har- catch them the right Harburg, way. Harburg um, got pulled for – I don't know if he got hurt or what the story was, but um, Harburg uh, – Jeff Sims played the majority of this game. Oh, wow. So they're back well, to yeah, they, so, they had three different quarterbacks throw interceptions. Yeah, so um, wow. it feels like maybe they they set Harburg. Um, oh, he no, he left the game with an injury. Uh, yeah, Harburg was one of doesn't five. Doesn't say when or, or where. Yeah, Harburg was one of one and, of five and, with uh, a pick. Uh, Chuba Purdy came in was one of three with a pick, and then Jeff Sims came in eight of thirteen with two picks. With two picks, oh my god, poor wow. Jeff Sims. Man, that is a rough. And you know, on the other side, Talia. 283, which factor in, Nebraska was really good on defense this year. Um, and Talia did just enough. And, uh, and we, we already talked about the, uh, the Purdue Minnesota game, so uh, no need to rehash that. Um, looking ahead to this weekend, uh, like I said, our game is at 11 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Currently on Sunday night, uh, we are a one and a half point favorite. Um, we'll see how that moves uh, as the week goes on. Uh, Michigan is at Maryland. Uh, Michigan is a 21-point favorite, uh, 11 a.m. Central on Fox. I guess there's a small possibility that this is a, um, a like, Michigan lets down after the big Penn State win. But <laughs> that has to be that has to but, be what they're thinking. But the thing is, like, Blake Corum and uh, and what's Edwards' first name? Oh my God, um, Donovan. Donovan. Donovan Edwards, Edwards were. So incredible, just like their their speed, their physicality, their 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 cutting, their their decisiveness against a really good Penn State team, um, and a Penn State team that obliterated. Maryland. Yeah, I just I don't like even a sleepy, messed up Michigan should um, smoke Maryland on Saturday. Uh, still, this is the the prime letdown look ahead sandwich though. Yeah, it is. It is. Yep. It's a, like it's a it's a tough game mentally. This is where um, if Michigan wins a national championship this year, like they should probably given us like they should probably put Tony Patetti's uh, name on the trophy because <laughs> uh, the suspension of Harbaugh like we'll see. But um, like it, I, it may I'll, galvanize I'll them I'll, in a way that um, all any because all any Northwestern fan should think about that. Is that Jim Harbaugh can't win Big Ten Coach of 100%. the Year? One hundred percent. Yep. That is, if you're a Northwestern fan, the thing you should be most focused on. Uh, we've got Rutgers at Penn State, uh, eleven o'clock on Fox Sports One. Uh, Penn State is a nineteen and a half point favorite at home against the Scarlet Knights. Oh boy, Rutgers goose egg against Iowa, and then immediately Iowa Penn State. It's a fun back to back. Boy, yeah. <laughs> the one so one thing I want to mention just in the context of both of the last two games we've talked about. Maryland and Rutgers play each other the last game of the season. So I think we're pretty confident both of them are taking L's this week. If Maryland beats Rutgers in the last game of the season and a certain team in the West were to win out, we would the only three East teams 
we'd be below in the standings would be Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And we'd be even with Maryland, and we would have the win over them straight up. So, little thing to keep in mind. Uh, Michigan State at Indiana. Uh, Indiana, four-and-a-half-point favorite. Is this, have... is this the brass bet spittoon game? Is it? Is that what it's called? I I would just, in every way, I expect Indiana to win this game. I Indiana, their record is really bad. They have played... They've played horrible football at times, but they've also played very good football at times. Michigan State is, is a mess. it is it is the old brass uh, spittoon wow. game. Um, <laughs> just wow. ama- amazing! That's, they literally play so for great. like a thing that people used to spit their tobacco into. Um, yeah, I, like like I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I'm I'm look, I'm not one. I'm not the kind of person to make statements out of this one way or the other. I'm just saying that seems like one that's like a couple decades away from getting canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We, we said both these teams were going to be pretty bad. And uh, at the, at the start of the year, we thought they both looked pretty rough and here they are playing for the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the spittoon. (laughs) There there it is. There it is. You found it it right there. Ew, gross. (laughs) Illinois at Iowa. Iowa three and a half point favorite. Uh, over under is up to thirty and a half. That's uh, it's up. I you know I guess I guess like like um if if Altmeyer plays does it go down like Pat like Paddock you know he just threw for a million yards but um it's a testament to Illinois' ability to score points which I cart before the horse we'll cross yeah. that bridge when we come yeah. to it but Illinois. In the in the right light, can score some. Points. I love the idea of Iowa getting some some comeuppance and losing this game, but um, I also don't really want to see Illinois bowl eligible. So no, I don't know. no, yeah, fair. Uh, Minnesota at Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State is a four touchdown favorite at home. Oh God! Hide your kids. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Go for fans. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, Nebraska at Wisconsin, uh, six thirty start. Um, Wisconsin, a five-point favorite at home against I, Nebraska. Are you kidding man, me? I've, 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 I've no way that one's. I will say if if Allen's out again for them, but um, if Harburg's out on the and, other side, so that's what you kind of balance. I mean, if Harburg's, that's or that's true. Birdie. That's true. But that's true. It, that this will. What's the line? What's the over oh, on this one? Thirty-six and a half. Yeah. It's two bro- two broken teams, man. Yeah. This is two broken yeah. teams that are like one of them's going to be bowl eligible coming out of this game. This is wild. Yep. Um, you know, just scanning the the rest of the country, um, you've got Oregon. Can, can, wait, can I can I say can I say one last thing about please, the Big Ten? So I, I talked I talked about this last week, and obviously, like, so that Iowa win over Rutgers, twenty two nothing, but seven of those points were from a Rutgers drive where the first play after they got it after they received a kickoff, they threw a pick, and then Iowa, you know turn that into a touchdown in short order. Um, so, you know, real talk, that was a game where, like, yeah, it, amazingly, it went under the 28 and a half, like the lowest, you know, point total ever, um, even lower than Northwestern's. And while this week Iowa-Illinois is a little bit higher, like, I'm, I'm really hoping it's low scoring. I'm really hoping Nebraska, like, looks abysmal against Wisconsin. Because I desperately want the Iowa-Nebraska line in two weeks to be below 25 points. I think we can get there, guys. I think we can get there. It's going to take I, some magic this weekend. I believe. Um, you know, kind of looking at the 
you know, around the country, um, you know, this being the week before rivalry week, uh, you seeing a lot of uh, FCS games, especially down south, um, with the exception Georgia Tennessee uh, is you know kind of the the marquee game, uh, two thirty on CBS. Um, Georgia's good. I mean, and like, oh yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to see just someone finally just give them a game. I know they've just been. They've. It almost feels like Michigan's grabbing so many of the headlines now, and I just feels like Georgia's just there, just hanging out, beating everybody every week, um, still at number two, like very much in the national title picture. You're right, but it would be. It'd be nice to see Tennessee give them a game. It's at Tennessee, and obviously Tennessee in their marquee game at home last year got it done. Well, so Tennessee in their in do. their road game against Missouri last weekend got their asses kicked. Yeah. So Missouri's, um, Missouri's right. damn yeah, good. I know. Not not. I, yeah. Like it doesn't look doesn't look great for uh, for Tennessee. But here's the, I, like like the, like here's the thing like Georgia, like when they're playing at home, they're not they're not they're not going to lose. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I agree at all. I like but this, the idea that Ole Miss was going to go in there and beat them at home is just not going to happen. This one on the it, road, this, like, yeah, yeah, maybe this one is in Knoxville on the road, but, maybe uh, still little little bit of like a the, little bit of I, altitude, like half mile high stadium. Is it? I mean to, <laughs> I mean to me the the game this week is Penix versus DJ. It's yet another yeah, showcase man. for the yeah. guy who the guy who should all respect to Chris and all respect to Jaden Daniels and his ludicrous numbers that he puts up every week. But this should be Michael Penix's award to lose uh, a pack to you know a Pac-12 Heisman winner in the last year of the. I Pac-12. don't think I agree anymore. I really don't. You think yeah. it's you just think Daniels' numbers are that good? I just huh? I like. I just, I just, the idea of Penix wasn't a transcendent, Penix wasn't that a transcendent great. Pac-12. Yeah, not not against mean, Utah, but, not against, like, he was really good against USC, who doesn't have a defense. He was pedestrian against Utah, pedestrian against against Stanford. He was great against Oregon. He was though. great against uh, Oregon. And well, he's going to probably get a chance I mean, to see Oregon again. I mean, again, I just, like, last yeah. year, the Pac-12, I I mean, again, they're, it's, it's like, literally every game, every week it's like a major matchup this loaded conference that's about to combust i, I, I love um, Penix, but I, I i i believe what daniels is, has done to date is more impressive now here's the thing like daniels is gonna get um a shot against uh they play georgia state this week um yeah i was gonna say so pull that's, up a that's, chair that's because... not gonna help um and then uh they play a and m in 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 two weeks so <laughs> oh like, a and m oh boy yeah Tire i guess fire i guess going on there I guess in that vein, like, because they're not going to make unless Alabama stunningly loses, they're not going to make the SEC championship game. And I, I think Alabama's already won the West. Yeah, they they, they have. They've, they've. I think they've clinched it. So, yeah. um, man, that'd be it'd be a real bummer for Jade Daniels to lose out because he doesn't get enough opportunities just, to showcase. Just himself. pull up. A, just pull up a chair though, because Jaden Daniels knows and LSU knows that his ticket to the Heisman is based on raw numbers. <laughs> He's going to go for 700 total yards against Georgia state. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Throw man. for five, run for yeah. two. Like I think so. He's going to go for all of the if points. I'm, if I'm, if I'm looking at it right now today, I like, I like Daniels, but, the idea that Penix is going to get three more bites at conference showdown eyeballs. Uh, I mean, you've, you've yeah, got, he's he's probably going to come out on top. You have the primetime game on ABC against uh, you know number five versus number twelve. 
Uh, yep. So, you know, that that's a, a big prime game. You got uh, Wazoo, you got the Apple Cup, and then you got probably Oregon Probably again. Oregon. Yeah. Um, unless, yeah. I, hey, I, I'll, I'll say this, though. Like, that Oregon State defense is um, pretty nasty, and playing in Corvallis at night, well, it's it's, it's yeah, not night. The it's the not night. That's late. It's oh, late it's afternoon. Not... It's a six thirty oh, six thirty central, but that's four thirty out west. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. You said, yeah, that's you right. said prime time, and I just assumed I mean, that you're right. The it time is, change makes it is prime, prime time for us. Prime time for yeah, us. The, the, that's the, a late right. afternoon start for them. Yeah, the, the it'll end under the lights. Yeah. When was the last time you saw Kansas and Kansas State playing each other when both were ranked? Never. Yeah, it's happened, but doesn't happen often. Hey, Purple Wildcats led by hotshot former North Dakota State coaches. Hell yes. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Chris Kleiman, Hell David yes. Braun. Um, anything else as far as football goes? I mean, we're running kind of long, but we do, we do need to yeah. talk hoops. Remove the tag. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yep. Um. Basketball, uh, men's basketball started, uh, and you know, a big win over Dayton um, after you know a, a rough start against Binghamton, but uh, you know finishing it off strong and, and you know coming out with a win that was bigger than I mean the final score I don't think was indicative of how close that game was most of the way, but uh, this Dayton game you know real real nice statement seventy one sixty six and like Ryan Langborg. That you know, this guy comes in, nineteen points, six and nine from the floor. He, you know, he's scoring in a way that we haven't seen a, someone score for you know offensively for the Cats in a he's, long time. What's he's just got a sick release like that guy's a well, shooter. Well, he's a shooter, but it's, it's not just three balls. No, like he he yeah he, right no no he's I mean he's got he a put touch. a Dayton, Dayton defender in a, in in the spin cycle on an on a sweet drive like. He is. Um, he's got an athleticism, and, and he, like he plays all over the court. He scores in multiple different ways. I think. I think what is so exciting for me, like we like, obviously we're excited about him coming in. You ha- you know, you're looking at him saying like, oh well, you know, Chase was such a defensive stopper, but now you maybe you make up for it on the offensive side. Like, legitimately, Northwestern has three players that can create their own shot. Boo Booey, the the expected but still incredible to see emergence of Brooks Barnheiser yeah. um, as he is really, you know, maturing and coming into his own. And then Langborg, all three of them can create their own shot. There was, there was a timeout late in the game where they had the camera and I wanted to get a photo of it and I, I missed it, but it was um, Bowie, Langborg, Barry Barnheiser all sitting down and looking and being like, those four guys are all damn good. Yeah. And that is our crunch time. That's probably with Nicholson. That's our crunch time yep. lineup right there. And those guys are really good basketball players. That's four really good guys to have on the, we'll go to war with anyone else's four with those guys. Well, and I just like, I like we, we haven't seen, I think we, you know, we, we talked over the over the years that we've we've been doing this, we've seen so many different forms of Northwestern basketball, and this is one of the first times where the the team is so complete, top to bottom. I mean, I, I think about 
not not to call him out because I loved him, but I think about Sanjay Lumpkin, who was such an incredible defensive player, but not much of a contributor on the offensive side in in that NCAA tournament year, right? And then um the, this team, the way the way the way they play up and down, um the aggressiveness that we're seeing and, and, and the intensity, like there's a moment in this game where Boo is out with his fourth foul and Ty Berry wills yeah. himself. Ty Berry, who's been really struggling, like really struggling to shoot in this game, wills himself to corral a rebound, um, just blast through the other the other player with, with sheer will and aggressiveness to get a rebound off of a three throw. And um turns around and hits like two threes in a row um, to complete, like that was the moment that put Northwestern um, in the driver's seat in this game, in my opinion, because it, it allowed them to weather that storm of boo being on the bench. Um, but to, like to see that kind of intensity and hustle from Langborg, from boo, from Nicholson, from Barnheiser, um, who was incredible, whether he was, you know, on defense or in the paint or mid range, et cetera, like, this team's going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah. Two, two things. The only two things I'll add one, this game will matter. Yeah. This is a game that will be a chip months down the road from now. Um, and I, I want to say, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, the way back in 2016, I feel like that team had a big win against Dayton early in the year. Um, that ended up, I, I want to say it was Dayton, but then ended up being like a real valuable chip. And that's exactly what this is going to be. Dayton's going to win a lot of games this year. And the other thing, <clears throat> student section was 90% capacity. November for a non-conference basketball yep. game. And the students were out in full force. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, we- so er- er- early uh, 2016, they beat Texas in um maybe that's in November uh, I assume that was in a in a tournament they beat yeah it was the, this was the this was like the United Center classic or something because they beat Texas and they lost uh, that heartbreaker to Notre Dame oh right right um, right oh okay maybe that's yeah. what it was they also took uh they beat Eastern Washington as well and Mississippi Valley State I don't neither of them were on the order of um Dayton and then they lost a really tight game to Butler oh I see it here this is what you're talking about they beat they beat Dayton in, in mid-December so they beat, oh, okay. beat so Dayton by three mid December. That's 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 where it is. Sorry, I hadn't, sc- I hadn't yeah, scrolled okay. down enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, just quickly scanning through the beginning of the schedule, uh, we got games th- uh, this week against Western Michigan uh, and Rhode Island and Northern Illinois coming up. Uh, you know, right after Thanksgiving, before Purdue, December Friday, 1st. December first. Oh Circle yeah, it. yeah. Eight p.m. start. So Not I mean, that. that's uh, that that's gonna be that's gonna be oh. fun. And like, I mean, I, oh man, just the memories it's, of last season I mean, against Purdue is just etched in etched right. in and our minds. You, and and if you see any Purdue fans Saturday, you be sure to remind them. Yeah, I I hate that we're we're giving you know, women's hoops and uh, field hockey such short shrift. You know this this late in the, the episode, but like. Field hockey playing for field the hockey final four. final four. Uh, great comeback yep. win today against Louisville. Um, you know to to tie it up in the fourth quarter and then to win it, uh, you know, with a minute left, uh, it, it's huge. And like you know, they're going down. Uh, the final four is in Chapel Hill. They're playing Duke 
Um, and then the winner of North Carolina versus, I think, Virginia. Um, they basically have to play two true yeah. road games in the Final Four. Um, but such as such as life of being a Midwest stick sport powerhouse. <laughs> Um, and yeah, like we, we mentioned it earlier real quick, but the, the women beat up on Omaha today. So also a nice early start for the women. And uh, all, f- all five players in double figures, uh, Melanie Daly with uh, 21 points after scoring 24 in a real tight opener against UIC. Um, in, in that game, uh, you know, all five were in double digits as well. Uh, Kaylee Walsh had a real nice game. Um, Page Mott pulled down 20 rebounds. Um, this team is getting it done, uh, especially on, on the, you know, on the front line. Then you've got um, Haley Weaver and, and Carolyn Lau um, doing some nice work from, from three and, and, uh, and on, on the defensive side. So like, it, it's a really exciting um, Northwestern's like, like starting unit that can, that can make some noise. I think the depth is going to be a big question as, as the year goes on, but we'll, uh, we'll see how they come together. I mean, they went, they went six deep on the bench. Um, you know, five other players had over 10 minutes of action. So, you know, they're trying to, they're spreading the minutes around, which is great. And, uh, just not a lot of production um, from the bench yet. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. And uh, Kaylee Walsh has fouled out of both of the, her first games. So it's just something to, be aware, keeping our eye on, uh, hopefully she can cut down those fouls. Um, but in any case, uh, huge win for the, for, you know, just what a weekend, what a weekend. Yeah. What a weekend. What a weekend. What a fun weekend. How fun is this? How fun is being a Northwestern sports fan right now? Yeah. Let's go. And, uh, you know, keep it, ro- keep it rolling again. You know, it's the final game at Ryan field, uh, Unless something wonky happens uh, on Monday night, which you know is is possible, but I, you know, hundred like we say, hundred million reasons why it, it's going to get rubber stamped. So, um, I guess if anything wonky happens, we'll you know we'll talk about it. But uh, other than that, come by, say hi. It's the last ch- last chance yeah. we're going to get to see you uh, at in you know for a football tailgate in a couple of years. Yeah, that's right. Come by, and enjoy it. Like we'll be, like you said, we'll be there bright and early. Come get some hot chocolate, have a donut, and uh, and talk with us. We'll have a great time. Let's go. Uh, any last uh, thoughts before we get out of here? Some parting words. Yes. Re- remove the tag and jump around. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.